You're listening to Brand to Brand, a B2B marketing show that's safe enough for work, but not safe enough to be on the radio. With your host, Thomas Sterling. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today on the show, we're going to be diving deep into the metaverse. We'll take a look at Meta, formerly Facebook, and Decentraland to discuss what the hell the metaverse means for the future of business. All right, buckle up. This one's going to get weird. Back again in these four walls that we call a studio. Season one coming to an end. This is like, what, the final episode? No, no. One more? We have one more. Okay. We're getting close. (laughs) We're getting seriously close. Why are we here today? Why are any of us here, Thomas? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 deep. And you know what? If this metaverse thing works out, we might not have to be here anymore. We could be there and there's at home in sweatpants and pajamas inside a machine feed matrix reloaded type stuff. Today we're talking about, I mean, Facebook completely changing its name, rebranding and not like Alphabet when, you know, Google sort of wanted a better name for their kind of core holding company. I mean, this is bold. This is Zuckerberg digging deep and and saying he wants to control the on-ramp to the metaverse and the profit that comes from it. Just like they do with the current web with, I, I think it's something like one in every two humans have a Facebook account. Yeah, it's really crazy. There's a lot of talk about the metaverse, mostly conceptual right now. It is a place. People are talking about it. It's almost like... Um, people are buying into it, you could say. <laughs> it's almost like when we did the seltzer episode, everyone's got a seltzer. Everyone's talking about developing some sort of a metaverse right now. But it's really interesting because it feels like there is this war that's starting to emerge, which if anyone has read or seen the Steven Spielberg adaptation on the silver screen of Ready Player One, the book by Ernest Cline, it details this world where society goes into a virtual reality called the Oasis. It gives them everything they want. It's not about just what they can do. It's about who they can be. And people are allowed to live their wildest dreams. That is something that seems like we're approaching at a much faster rate than I'm sure this uh, gentleman maybe thought when he wrote this book in 2011. There will be this fight, as there was in that narrative, between the people and companies or corporations or profit. How are you going to monetize this? Open source, closed source. Decentralized, centralized. Yeah. Fortnite versus <laughs> insert, you know, alternative <laughs> version. It's it's uh, the haves and the have-nots and so, so, so much corporate control between what we see. And in a world where people are so worried about misinformation and disinformation, uh, you can just imagine how that plays out. It's pretty crazy. So what the hell is the metaverse? <laughs> the- I mean, it feels like it already exists. Um, it's really shorthand for an immersive digital world that is um, still somehow connected to our physical world, if you think about it. You're yeah. using technology to bring your consciousness technically elsewhere mm. and leaving your meat sack back at home. Whoa. <laughs> That's tough. That's a tough thing to visualize. <laughs> have you seen Wally? Yes, the I visual have. of like the people don't have. Bones. I'm playing dumb. I've been following this metaverse thing for quite a while, but I think for a lot of people, this Facebook announcement was the sort of first thing, and and it's really, really an interesting pivot. But I'd say let's get into it. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Meta, formerly a Facebook company, or 
Decentraland. I am taking Decentraland, even though no one can take Decentraland because it is not owned by a single entity. But you can buy it. <laughs> you can buy a piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'll take Meta. Uh, why are you taking Meta? Because I think someone has to hold Zuckerberg accountable for his actions, and I intend to do that today on the show. <laughs> no, but honestly, just recently, Mark Zuckerberg declared Facebook will be a metaverse company, not a social media company, in the next five years. And he has armed his team to focus exclusively on this young adult market. And this is as you're seeing Gen Z's leaving Instagram, Facebook under fire, a PR nightmare. And VR and AR are really starting to grow. And this concept of this metasphere is really just starting to get, you know, sort of popularity. But they are investing billions of dollars and he is committed to seeing this come forward at the end of the decade. And so with that, I'd love to play a little video so that Zuckerberg, in his own words, can describe this historic <laughs> milestone. Are you going to troll us with the smoke and meats video? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Hey, and welcome to Connect. Today, we're going to talk about the metaverse, starting with the most important experience of all, connecting with people. And for those that are listening at home, you're seeing Zuckerberg in this 3D Imagine representational you world. you put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. And it has an incredibly inspiring view of whatever you find most beautiful. And now you're watching him flick through an avatar version of himself All that right, he is dressing perfect. in the perfect costume. This is what he does every morning when he puts on his human skin. <laughs> oh, hey, Mark. Hey, what's going on? And so obviously that was from Facebook Connect, where they made major announcements, including a whole bunch of tools for developers that want to develop within the metaverse. And him ushering in this commitment, this commitment to saying, we have a family of apps, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, etc. We're putting that sort of behind us. And we're, we're not leading with social anymore. We're leading with the metaverse. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's so interesting, too, because, again, we have these two possibilities, these two timelines that are starting to emerge in this metaverse. There is a world where Zuckerberg somehow is, I guess, first to market in whatever way, whatever market that'll be. <laughs> On the flip side, you already have entities that have been building similar kinds of realities, a lot of them through games, some of them on blockchain technology, like Decentraland, which is a completely different concept. And instead of relying on a, co a corporation to run this, the users actually govern its policies, which is so interesting. It's basically like if anyone's ever heard of or has kids who have played Minecraft, mm -hmm. but it's a game where players can buy land and there is a finite amount of land. And of course, that's what adds value is that there's a finite amount. And, and to see it in action is sort of like the Sims playing out, right? People take that land and they start to build buildings and castles and all sorts of things on it. And to hear some people talk about it is just such a fascinating thing, having them talk about like location, location, location. Yeah, I think we could play a little bit of a video to give some people some uh, additional context on what the hell we're talking about. And let me guess. Yes, this is from uh, SNL, right? <laughs> you know what? For the first time, <laughs> it's actually not. Decentraland is a fully decentralized 3D virtual world where people can own and develop their own virtual land, or they can wander around and interact with what other users have created, as well as other people that are exploring Decentraland at the same time. The landscape can include anything from static 3D scenery to interactive objects. 
The world of Decentraland is divided into small fragments called parcels. Each parcel is represented by an X and Y coordinate on the map and by a quote land token on the Ethereum blockchain. Land is an ERC721 token, which means that it's non-fungible or what we would call an NFT for non-fungible token. And I think what's fascinating about that is it's kind of like The Sims meets Fortnite meets a lot of these sort of online things, Minecraft, etc., except nobody owns it. It's not like one person benefits from all of these things. The entire, we'll say, community benefits. So like those parcels of land, people start buying those and selling those, they increase in value. I think that's kind of an amazing thing. Is that sort of what attracted you to the platform? Yeah, and it's mind-blowing too. And I was thinking about this the other day, the idea that if you buy something, you buy like an in-game purchase with a lot of these games. If that game, if you stop playing that game or it stops being supported, you lose the value that you've put into it. Thanks to blockchain technology, there is a ledger that actually gives transparency into where that value is, where it went. So it almost is a secure place to purchase things in digital assets like iTunes. I bought so many songs that I didn't need. Where did that go? I now pay Spotify a minimal tiny fee. It's probably on your parents' computer somewhere. But like I lost all the value that I've put into it. I couldn't do anything with that. So this is opening up such an interesting way of people actually investing back into a world they created. Big time. They're I mean, creating their own virtual economy. A lot of eyeballs on all of this technology because when some 800-pound gorilla like Facebook decides to change their name and take the boat and direct it into a new direction, it it causes a tidal wave in the industry. Final comment, $10 billion investment. Does this represent a worthy way for the company to launch into the metaverse that is going to be necessary so that they're not left behind by this next iteration of technology? Or does it represent a $10 billion PR effort to get us to talk about something else? <laughs> well, maybe it's a little bit of both, but I mean, look, what we have read in the Facebook uh, papers suggests that Facebook does have an existential risk. They're having trouble holding on to their current generation of users. The next generation of users are not gravitating toward their platform. And think of all the problems that Facebook has been having with Apple in particular as it tries to build out what, what it wants to build out without owning the platform. So Mark Zuckerberg is going all in on owning his own platform and on owning the next generation of technology. And I'm sure by the time all is said and done, that $10 billion is going to look like chunk change. This is a move where Facebook, now Meta, has the opportunity to own the whole footprint. They get to own the hardware and the software. They get to be the conduit for how people utilize things. And Facebook has recently been battling it out with people like Apple that have made it harder for them to monetize their platform, collect more data. Apple has kind of come under fire and has been a trailblazer and sort of defending privacy of their users and otherwise. And Facebook does not want privacy for their users. Facebook wants all your information. They want to know who you are, what you like, what your house looks like, where your friends are. Uh, and I think that, you know, all of that makes this kind of an announcement very, very interesting as in many ways the court of public opinion is fired up. There are a lot of people concerned. What is it? What does Mark really mean when he says he's creating this metaverse and they're investing $10 billion towards its production over the next few years? What do you think he really means? What does he mean? He means he wants you to put this sensor device on your face and that thing is going to collect information like biometric information, what makes your heart 
stop. What makes you have a facial expression or a certain interaction? All of these little telltale things. We had talked about the TikTok algorithm in an episode ago. If algorithms can predict that much information from that little information, imagine what a Apple Watch on your face can do. But they're also what's what I've always found so fascinating about all of this technology is they could just bug you. They could just listen. Or they could get you to buy a product that gives you a value and then they'll be able to listen through that. So you have <laughs> a world where, I know it's very dystopian and We're scary. fucking bugging ourselves. <laughs> Congratulations, you bugged yourself. You're a bug. But it's, it's they're, they're creating, these entities are creating such powerful experiences that it makes people want to buy into it. And it's, I'm wondering what, the hell this metaverse is going to look like, what people are going to be able to do. You do have in Decentraland some people who are actually real-world humans who work a job in a virtual environment and earn a paycheck back in the real world, which also is part of the story in Ready, Ready Player One, which is just freaking insane. Like, you want to talk about the pandemic, having more people work from home, this is like even maybe changing the future of work, which does change how we do business in the in the book. And what about in one of these metaverses? You can have a conference call with a company whose executive team speaks a different language and the technology can in real time translate everything that you're saying. Like a deep fake dub. A deep fake dub. But for I, business. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, you know, if you think about that, right, and they say, okay, right, in some future state, you're going to throw these things on your face. You're going to bring yourself to a board space. Every board member is now has a seat at the table. You're all there. I can imagine something like that in a virtual interaction. Microsoft Teams already has that where you can literally put people into the stands and it looks like you're all, you're all there. But I think at the end of the day, something like a board meeting is a prescribed amount of time. Putting a headset on and staring into the, those lenses for an eight to 10 hour day or however long you're at work so that you can try to simulate and create the reality that would you would experience uh, being in person. I mean, Facebook goes in even further in the in Facebook Connect to talk about what this looks like, where it's like the virtual walk by your desk moment where somebody's actually stopping by. That sounds scary. Why are we trying to make virtual more like real yeah, in a, at the expense exactly. of basic human interaction. I don't think that makes people better presenters. Like, oh, I'm going to get really good at presenting in virtual reality. Yeah, like half of us were wearing sweatpants on our Zoom calls. And you can digitally just edit those out. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're wearing your best outfit. But really, you're still in bed. There are also entities in the metaverse space or who are getting into it in the VR space who are creating leisure activities like music festivals. So Decentraland put on the Metaverse Festival, which they actually launched a four-day virtual celebration of music, culture, and creativity. They put on this first-of-its-kind first event, fully put on by them. It happened in October of this year, and it even had like festival frequently asked questions like you would see before oh you went to a major God. festival. On the flip side, Roblox, which is another game, actually held its first music festival on the platform, but it was partnered with EDC Las Vegas. So they Which hosted, happened in real life. <laughs> it just so happened it was, in real life. And then like they a crossover held, episode. It wasn't like we're gonna stream the shows. It was like, no, we're gonna like recreate 
the real human experience people are having fully in our world. Should we give it a listen? Yeah. Welcome to Insomniac World Party. Four life-size stages. Hours of music entertainment. Looks like a pretty empty crowd, I gotta say. There's a dog. Bring your friends or <laughs> new friends at Camp BDC. And you have tents, too? Play mini games? This looks like more fun than the real thing. We hope to see you raving at your favorite stages. <laughs> oh, that is so weird and creepy. It's so strange. Like, yeah, are people gonna, like, do drugs at their house? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here's a ground score. Wait a second. Wait, I can't pick home. it up. It's not real. I'm at home. I think that's cat food. And now for something completely different. So with the acceleration of technology in the VR and AR space, there's pioneers and marketers that are taking a hard look at this and that are leveraging the technology for a lot of marketers. It's either too expensive, clunky, doesn't necessarily work. So how would we put this to work? I think first and foremost, plan ahead. Because what we can see marketing leaders leveraging now is going to be the not-so-distant future. VR and AR, while they are fringe products, when you see billion and trillion-dollar companies like Facebook leaning forward, there is going to be a VR, AR future. And there will be ways to leverage that from a marketing perspective. And if that seems too complex, I would break it down another way and say, VR and AR in some ways are the new replacement for video and video experiences. So look at how you're currently leveraging video. Think about ways that you can utilize it and create these immersive experiences for people, immersive ways to bring people into that product discovery or service discovery. And I think that dovetails into next, think about your buying process. And I know a lot of sales professionals that have lamented about the end of the in-person sales meeting, right? These virtual meetings, Zoom fatigue, whatever it is. AR and VR could come and create a more human experience, more of the eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball interactions that some of us miss. I know it sounds far-fetched, but take a hard look at your customer touch points and think about how those could be utilized and leveraged in this not-so-distant future. And then the last thing I would say is customer experience. We've talked about it a lot on the show, but there is a future customer experience where people will expect this kind of three-dimensional version of the World Wide Web that they can walk through, and at some point they're going to walk through your virtual door, and what is that going to look like? So if you had to take anything away from the show today... It's that... Uh at least for myself, probably won't be trusting a large corporate entity to own the metaverse and would be a little bit more trusting to lean into a DAO or user-owned model. Well, that's really dark, <laughs> Veronica. Did you expect anything else? <laughs> for me, it's like AR and VR are here to stay. And the question that we all need to ponder is how and when are you going to leverage it for your brand? And with that, we're out, folks. Thanks so much for listening to Brand to Brand. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and don't keep us a secret. Tell your friends.